0: What's in wildfire smoke, and how can you protect yourself from it? Those are today's big questions, and my guest is Dr. Mary Prunicki. Dr. Prunicki is the Director of Air Pollution and Health Research at Stanford University under the Sean N. Parker Center for Allergy and Asthma Research. Her lab examines the impact of air pollution and wildfires on health, specifically immune health. Dr. Prunicki and I got together in late summer 2021 as Fires and smoke just enveloped the American West, and eventually the East Coast, too. Almost two years later, the West has seen a very wet winter and relative, if temporary, respite from fires. But Canada's on fire now, and everyone can see and taste the smoke as the jet stream carries it all the way across the continent. So it's always a good time to understand how to protect yourself and your family, and that begins with understanding what you're protecting yourselves from. So we're rerunning this very popular and necessary conversation to make sure you and I and all of us are up to speed all over again. Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett, and this is science for people who give a shit. In our weekly conversations, I take a deep dive with an incredible human like Dr. Pernicki, who's working on the front lines of the future to build a radically better today and tomorrow for all of us. Along the way, we'll discover tips, strategies, and stories you can use to get involved and become more effective. So look, wildfires aren't new, of course. They're important. They're as old as the trees and bushes around us. But today, they burn hotter, more frequently, and they burn much more than trees and shrubbery. And there's so many more people who are inhaling that stuff than ever before. So this incredible and incredibly helpful conversation can get you to a place of understanding about what's happening and why, and most importantly, what it means for our health. My guest today is Dr. Mary Prunicki. and together, this one's a little more timely. We're going to try to help you folks understand uh, wildfire smoke, Um, what it is, what's in it, as far as we know. Um, and again, as far as we can tell, and by we, I mean, uh, Dr. Pernicke, I'm on the receiving end, just like you folks are, what it means for your health, your kids' health, should you have them, grandparents, uh, and more. Dr. Pernicky, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Could you do me a favor? Tell uh, the people real quick who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. So my name is Mary Pernicky. I'm the Director of Air Pollution and Health Research at Stanford University under the Sean Parker Center for Allergy and Asthma Research. So we're an no. immunology lab, and we look at the impact of um, air pollution and wildfires on health, specifically immune health.
0: Fascinating. Um, I think just that in itself—that your uh, immunology lab uh, has probably got some people's ears perked up because I, I imagine there's some folks. Even we, we get pretty nerdy, uh, pretty nerdy audience <laughs> here, but I imagine there's still some folks going, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound great." Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I look forward to digging in on this. Uh, Dr. Pernicke, um, do like to start? We've done, oh God, I don't know, 120 of these or so. We ask one uh, question to set the tone a little bit. It's a little self serious, a little tongue in cheek, but it's fun. People usually cackle to start with. But instead of saying, What's your entire life story? We like to ask, uh, Dr. Pernicke, Why are you vital to the survival of the species?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I am, but uh, um, I do feel like. The research that we do does uh, potentially impact a lot of people, especially given the wildfires in the West and actually worldwide um, with climate change.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, clearly something we're going to be dealing with for uh, a little bit, not just in this moment. Um, I, I guess that is why I wanted to thank you for that answer. By the way, uh, most people do just cackle and say I'm not. But then <laughs> sometimes I get something bold and, and thoughtful because uh, we talk to some incredible humans and they're out there for a reason. So. Um, but, uh, like you said, this is now affecting everybody. This isn't just um, you know the the forests around Silicon Valley that are on fire. It's it's a it's a lot of places, and you know, I I try to use this show not just for my own interest, but to ha- for as a platform to have conversations about the biggest science-based issues of our time. And and I do try to make the conversations usually uh, something a little more evergreen. Uh, so less like, holy shit, this is what's happening this week. And more, here's some context for something we're all going to be dealing with as a species, with our ecosystems for a while. And 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 as we get to with our bread and butter, the most impactful actions you can take to drive some systemic change and to feel a little better yourself. Um, this one... Uh, is a little bit of both, and so I'm really glad we're doing this, because I think it will be able to help people, because it's not difficult now to look outside, almost wherever you are, um, or one of these increasingly popular and prevalent where the fires are burning right now maps, I mean, the New York Times has one, um, and to smell that smoke. Um, So many of the fires are burning in the West, but thanks to the jet stream, you've got places like Maine uh, putting out air quality um, warnings, and it's I think it's very dis being on the East Coast for a lot of this this year has been very disorienting for a lot of people here, but it's very serious, and I know that I understand and perhaps incorrectly, but I'm excited to be educated that we're very much in the throes of understanding uh um the ramifications of these things, so you know we've been living with versions of regular pollution for a while uh as so they call p m two and nitrogen dioxide and Um, You see California in the old days and still in London and New Delhi, they've, you know, got air pollution from industry and transportation, agriculture, but um, this wildfire smoke seems like it's uh, something new to a lot of people. So if we could take a step back, because again, my first goal is always to give people sort of not lowest common denominator, but real context before we get too, too nerdy with it. Could you actually define for everyone what we talk about with sort of again, this is terrible, but regular pollution, PM2, and sort of where that comes from, so that when we differentiate for wildfire smoke, they can really understand what we're, what we're talking about.
1: Sure, you mean uh, talk about what particulate matter is and where it comes from?
0: Yeah, sort of w- when people say, you know, this is what's been causing asthma and this, and comes off roads and tires and stuff like that.
1: Okay, yeah, so when we talk about air pollution, there's there's a variety of pollutants. Mm-hmm. but Probably the most research has been done on particulate matter um, and the number denotes the size of the particulate matter. So okay. PM 2.5 are particles that are 2.5 microns and smaller, whereas like PM 10 are particles 10 microns and smaller. And okay. the reason that the size makes a difference is because the larger the size, the, um, the less it can impact our airways. So PM 10 goes about halfway down our airway. PM 2.5 is small enough to go all the way down to the base of our lungs and then cross over into our bloodstream. And so the thought is that the smaller the particle, there's also ultrafine particles, the smaller the Mm -hmm. particle, the more damaging because the more it can penetrate. And so a lot of the research uh, is focused on air pollution and um, looking at PM 2.5. And, you know, it's, Without a doubt, shown globally, the more you're exposed to chronically, the shorter your lifespan and the uh, lesser your quality of life. So that's just, um, you know, you can look at a graph showing different parts of the world and how much exposure people get and their lifespan is shorter if they're exposed to more. And so um, when we talk about wildfire smoke, about 80% of the smoke is composed of PM 2.5 which is, and and a lot of other things, a lot of toxins and things like that. But that's why when we talk about, you know, toxicity from smoke, we have a good base from air pollution research to kind of understand what's probably going on with the wildfire smoke.
0: Okay. And that's really helpful. I mean, you know, I think when you're doing this every day, like, uh, I mean, God, I'm nowhere near your level or a scientist, but trying to help people in a generous way, keep track of the way these things are going. And we have a lot of readers and listeners from, from all over the world. You know, you, you start to see more and more of this research um, about uh, infants or uh, babies in utero or pregnant women or older people. Um, I saw something this week, uh, Alzheimer's association, I believe about uh, older women and dementia. And obviously because it's America that marginalized people are far more exposed to these things, whether right. it's in California, the uncapped oil wells or uh, transportation or something like, you know, 60 percent of black people in America live within 30 miles of a coal plant, whatever it might be. And then, mm-hmm. of course, we saw with COVID, uh, you know, so many people were adversely affected who had pre-existing conditions. And, you know, I know we're still a long way in some ways on on causation on some of these things, but it's it's not great. Right. So let's dig into this wildfire thing if we can and and again just for folks on the east coast who are new to this <laughs> why, why these things are happening uh i i am not and, and i imagine uh doctor you're not we're not against wildfires yes they are inherent uh to nature they're useful they're good for forest and vegetation uh the issue is uh in a broader way again just Context, uh, the greenhouse gas emissions from this industrial era have caused global warming, and in the West and in Siberia and other places, warming has resulted in drier vegetation. Uh, and along the way, we've uh, simultaneously, we've moved more into these places, so we've suppressed these fires as opposed to how indigenous peoples uh, controlled them for right. thousands of years before right. we showed up. And we've suppressed them because while everything's been drying out, Again, we've been moving into these areas. And so now when they burn, it's not just vegetation. As you were saying with some of the other things that are in these in the smoke, it's homes that are burning and businesses and cars and roads, asphalt, bridges, yada, yada. Fires uh, make it hotter, which uh, makes more fires. They create their own weather. They create lightning. It makes more fires. We spit out CO2, which means any decarbonization gets worse. Anyways, the point is where there's fires, There's smoke to reverse it. And that's what I want to dig into. So, Doctor, you said um, that we have this because of decades of research into air pollution, and I know that's always increasing every day, the the research that is. But what do we know so far about how wildfire smoke differs in content, I guess at least, or wherever you would like to start, from more typical pollutants? And then I guess we can get into how it actually affects uh, our bodies
1: right so the thing about uh wildfire smoke um well particulate matter in general it's composed of what's what's around for it to be formed so particulate matter Mm -hmm. is not some homogenous thing it Mm -hmm. really depends on what's being burned so um wildfire smoke for example from a wildfire in a forest is going to look different chemically than wildfire smoke from a town being burned down where you have plastics and chemicals and things like that going up in smoke so we know that uh, in fact there was a recent study showing that the particulate matter from air pollution Is more toxic, or sorry, is less toxic than the particulate matter from wildfires. So when wildfire PM 2.5 is inhaled, it's more toxic than just general old air pollution PM Mm -hmm. 2.5. We know that there's gonna be an increase in hospitalizations for respiratory events uh, up to 10 times uh, more than uh, if you're exposed to the wildfire PM 2.5 than just regular elevated for air quality. Um, And we also know that if we look at the speciation, speciation of the PM 2.5 or PM in general, sometimes we see it associated with different heavy metals, different toxins, different um, uh, toxic chemicals, um, things like um, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, um, cancer causing agents, things like that that are carried on the particulate matter. And so when we inhale it, it's those things that are also adhered to the particulate matter that's causing damage within our body. So there needs to be more research on how a particular type of smoke impacts, uh, health, but we know in general, you know, smoke is bad regardless. Um, it's just how bad.
0: (laughs) Sure. Um, and so you had alluded to some of the things uh that that we can tell her in that i know there was the study that um some folks did and i apologize i can not remember where uh, they studied uh, some of the smoke that came out of uh, the paradise fire mm-hmm. um and how you know it's <laughs> it's not difficult to do the one to one of oh a, a bunch of homes burned and they were probably <laughs> you know built in x number of time just like any place in america and so suddenly you get to Oh, there was there's lead in the smoke and right. things like that. <laughs> right.
1: The uh, California Air Resources Board put out a report, and they looked at the quali- They looked at what was going on in the air during the Paradise Fire, and I think it was the Butte Fire. It was two fires, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, with the Paradise Fire, they saw an increase in lead levels for a day um, that people were exposed to with the smoke, um, and we know any exposure to lead is is bad. There are also um, increased uh, other heavy metals, zinc, and a few others that didn't reach the threshold of toxicity like the lead did. Um, Hmm. But we know that, uh, you know, it's not just smoke, it's the heavy metals in the smoke and other things that we should be concerned about.
0: And like you said, baseline smoke already not great. Um <laughs> not, not helpful to add the toxic metal not helpful to access, add the toxic metals in. Um obviously, you know, what happened with paradise is, is such a tragedy, but we've already seen, you know, an entire town in Canada wiped off the map a month ago. Let us and and I, it's entirely possible as most things throughout my day that I'm that I'm incorrect on this or, or somewhere <laughs> off base, but I, I imagine that, you know. A percentage of these fires, certainly, if not uh, uh, most of them, are not directly burning uh, homes and cars and things like that or uh, yet. But So they're burning more of our forests and our uh, state forests and things like that. That smoke. So that's a lot of the stuff that's being blown through the jet stream to the East Coast or up and down California and Southern California when that kicks off in a month and gets very hot. Um, What do we know about what that... I guess the more common wildfire smoke, what do we already know about what that does to our bodies? Now like you said you 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 work you're in a, an immunology lab, so how do those things connect? How did we get to that point where that makes sense?
1: Right. so we know that uh, when you're when when a population is exposed to to the wildfire smoke, um, there will be an increase in respiratory and cardiac events. Um, showing up in emergency rooms and hospitalizations. So we know that people are going to be coming in for things such as asthma exacerbations, COPD exacerbations, acute bronchitis, pneumonia, and also things like arrhythmias, heart attacks, um, strokes, uh, where uh, you know, pregnant women are impacted by the smoke. Mm-hmm. And we're finding more and more different populations that are at risk in our Um, if you actually look at the data, end up needing um, some type of uh, medical services during exposure to the wildfire smoke. We also know that as the smoke goes goes through the air, um, as it ages, it becomes more toxic. So um, we know that you know breathing smoke produced the same day is um not as toxic as breathing that same smoke as it has aged a few days and it has to do with the production of free radicals and things like that but you know it uh, there's just nothing um good to be said about breathing the smoke whether it's you know if you're whether you're directly by the source or um you know it travels which it can travel thousands of miles right sure um, it can still cause problems.
0: And now, where does immunology come in? Come into <laughs> all this? Is that is that for any age spectrum, any demographic? Or are you looking at something particular? At what point were you like, oh, this goes, again, not to 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 minimize it, but this goes deeper than than some daily inhale.
1: Right. Well, so um, a lot of diseases, their basis um, kind of comes from problems with inflammation or mm-hmm. you know um, problems with your immune system. But the way that we tie in is that prior, for over 10 years, we've been doing air pollution research, looking at kids exposed to elevated air pollution and looking at their immune system. Um, but then more recently, we've looked at uh, both kids, teenagers, and now we're studying other populations like firefighters, um, mm-hmm. looking at how exposure to the smoke impacts their immune system, impacts their, um, you know, the association with a subsequent disease. So what we know. Uh, we did a retrospective study looking at kids, just six to eight-year-olds, that were mm-hmm. either exposed to a prescribed fire, you know, mm-hmm. which is a controlled fire um, sure. and, you know, helps alleviate um, future wildfires. Uh, sure. The smoke from that versus the, the smoke from a wildfire. And these were kids about 60 miles away from the fire itself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we found that um, the immune system was impacted less by the prescribed burn. In comparison to the wildfire and the prescribed burn seemed to put out less pollution overall, which is, you know, it's controlled. So that makes sense. Sure. But there's certain changes that happen in your immune system that make you less effective at fighting disease. Um, and changes that um, cause inflammation to be produced in the body. And inflammation is, you know, not a good thing either. Um, we also looked at teenagers exposed to wildfire smoke, and we could see subclinically. So if you looked at their blood, we could see elevations in inflammatory markers. We couldn't see any clinical expression. Like, it's not that they were, you know, having a heart attack or having trouble breathing. But if you look at their blood, you could see, you know, microscopic changes. And we don't know, does that lay the foundation for further disease down the road? Um, You know, is, is that... Is that setting kids exposed to smoke in a different direction as an adult um, for chronic health problems? We we don't know the answers to that.
0: And does that just take time?
1: It takes more research, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. And looking looking over time um, for repeated exposures. And so that's why some of our research we're studying um, retired firefighters who obviously have been mm-hmm. exposed for years to smoke. Sure. And then we're studying active firefighters. Looking at their blood before and after fighting a fire to Mm -hmm. try to determine, you know, how does it, and from that, hopefully we can extrapolate. We're also looking at healthy people exposed to fires. You know, how does that impact us acutely and does it impact us long term?
0: Well, the good news is you've got about 10,000 firefighters to. To, to choose from on, on any given day. Yeah. We're all making, a, making about a dollar. Um, so when you say, and, and obviously uh, this probably varies quite a bit, but at least for, your, the, for the research you've done, when you say it's been studying kids, for example, you said six to eight years old or, or teenagers that have been exposed um, and the fires were, I believe you said, 60 miles away. When you say exposed, is that over an hour, over a day, over a week, over a month? What are we talking at? Like, sort of, what's the threshold of exposure yeah. to see some of those immunological uh, adjustments? I guess changes.
1: I believe whatever the, that medical term the is. fire that we looked at. Yeah, the, I think that wildfire lasted. I want to say one to two weeks. I'd have to double check, but it was mm-hmm. sixty miles away, um, and it, you know, it was a retrospective study. But now, what you know, what would make um, a, it needs to be replicated. And look prospectively, like uh, as as it's occurring in time, you know, sampling their blood repeatedly, uh, which is something that we're doing, and looking Mm -hmm. for changes, um, if that makes sense.
0: No, of course. Thank you for dumbing it down for me. I I greatly appreciate it. So, how much do we feel like? And again, I know both you're you're among the most preeminent in this, but also it's still relatively relatively early days on this. What what do we know about how much proximity matters for i guess exposure slash level of toxicity, um, you know I just think about again you know uh, what is it last year in Los Angeles or uh, you know when Silicon Valley and San Francisco were surrounded for weeks at a time, those weren't sixty miles away right um, what does that change anything that calculus at all that we know
1: um, well, you know the higher the level of pm two point five um, you know, it's presumed the more toxic, you know, so last fall, you know, some of the areas had, a, you know, elevated PM 2.5 levels up to what, five, 500 AQI and, you know, huge, yeah. huge amounts of um, pollution in the air. So it, it really, it's presumed that the higher the AQI, obviously, the more dangerous it is to your health. And sure. that you can see the impact, you know, quicker. You know, some people have uh, sore throats, burning eyes, coughing. And then there's others with pre-existing conditions or otherwise that, you know, will start having an uh, asthma attack or, or things like that, mm. a heart attack, um, sudden sure. cardiac death. So it really just depends on, on the person and the population and then the level of exposure.
0: So if I'm in if I'm in Maine or, you know, we're like Boston and New York that got clobbered last week and it looked like, you know, more more to our outside. Um, <laughs> those uh, those AQI readers that uh, readings that they're getting, mm-hmm. despite thousands of miles between them and the source of uh, from the fires and the sources of the smokes. Uh, those are going to be, as far as we can tell, pretty accurate as to their real exposure. It doesn't matter how far it's traveled. Right. It could. Right. OK. Okay. right I'm just trying to help folks on uh, yes I'm 3,000 miles away but it you know and I see smoke but it's not as bad as being 20 miles away it's just it matters the reading is what matters I guess and the and the length of time
1: right the the age of the smoke but you know okay. the the amount of um, the amount of PM 2.5 you're actually being exposed to so if somehow you're thousand miles away but you're getting a big dose of PM 2.5 that's you know that's Still bad, it doesn't matter that it was a thousand miles away sure. it's still going to impact your health,
0: and I mean conversely to to I guess what one would think or man it's entirely possible. This is just me, but you would think over so for instance, you know, with covid when we we all finally understood that this thing was was aerosol based, you know, a little gust of wind and this is this is blown and it's dissipated, and you're probably fine on a beach unless you're screaming at someone's face. but <laughs> for this case, um if I'm a thousand or two thousand or three thousand miles away from the source of this fire, it's actually probably taken a few days to get to me, and now the smoke has actually aged. Aged more, correct. So it's it's the opposite effect as far as we can tell.
1: Well, I mean, we you know we don't have really good data yet to say sure. Um, okay, smoke that's four days old is going to have this impact on your health as compared sure. to uh, very new smoke. Uh, sure. It's it's not to that granularity yet, but we're working on it.
0: <laughs> we've got plenty of smoke to work with, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about folks with pre-existing conditions. So we've talked about kids a little bit and mm-hmm. some potential. You've seen some markers that could potentially lead to long-term immunological changes. And again, you know, I... Look, my kids are are young, but they're white privileged kids who who are going to be fine. I don't want them to be exposed to this. I, again, was a young white privileged kid, but I had uh, exercise induced asthma, and I went. I was a swimmer, and I probably went to the emergency room. I don't know, fifteen times in, in five years in the back of an ambulance, and I remember. EMTs working on me in front of all my swim teammates and how horrible that that feeling was. And that was just an internal thing. That wasn't because of any external exposure or anything right. where my family lived or what it might have been. But I, I remember getting to a point where my parents going, Oh, you, you, you ran out our, our health insurance, you know, for, for the family because of this. But at least I I had that. And we know right. so many kids don't and so many people in, in California and Los Angeles and around the Bay area uh, do not. Um, so, there's a lot of kids that aren't going to be able to escape this sort of thing on a day-to-day basis or, or permanently. We we know that. I mean, they've been, again, my friend, uh, Molly Peterson uh, is a reporter. She's done reports about the heat around schools and how it makes it more difficult to learn all this stuff. These kids, it doesn't get cooler at night. So let's talk a little bit about um, healthy-ish middle-aged people, and if you could, some, I guess, folks with pre-existing conditions and then older folks with respiratory conditions. I think, I mean, specifically, my mother-in-law, who's a, kind of a respiratory nightmare, and and when COVID was a hint of it, I was like, guess what? You're not leaving your house forever. So, <laughs> you know, here's the deal, because it's like one swipe and she's out of here. Yeah. So what do we, not her particularly, but what are the pre-existing conditions most likely to be affected by an exposure to a certain amount of this? Yeah. Um
1: Yeah. So um, definitely people with respiratory conditions. So people with asthma, people with COPD, um, things like that. Um, Studies you've shown kids, uh, you know, age zero to four and then uh, older adults, you know, 65 ish Mm -hmm. and above. um, Those are the people that are most likely going to be coming in for uh, to the ER during a wildfire Mm -hmm. event for a respiratory condition. Uh, for some type of respiratory distress. In addition, if we talk about the heart, those are going to be the older people. So yeah. again, 65 and older, those with preexisting heart conditions, um, yeah. you can you know, have the heart attack, you can have the arrhythmias, you can, uh, there's actually a study looking at um, out of hospital sudden cardiac death. So that's when you hear about people just literally dying on the spot. The heart just completely stopped. Yeah. They found that that is increased during wildfire events. And those weren't previously kind of acknowledged because those people don't make it to the emergency room. So they weren't Interesting. kind of tagged in that way. Sure. Um, but if you look at the ages that drops down to in the thirties uh, for people no being shit. at risk. So, um, <sighs> So the, that's obviously a problem. People with strokes, that's going to be the older people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that might have a, a, a stroke due to the wildfire smoke. Um, if uh, if you look at vulnerable populations, that's going to be obviously the very young, the very old, people with pre-existing conditions, people of color, mm-hmm. people with homeless people. hmm People who are um, outdoor workers, Mm -hmm. Um, trying to think if I'm forgetting any populations, pregnant women, Mm -hmm. Um, all those categories are going to be at increased risk compared to just your general um, healthy adult.
0: Could you do me a, a favor and just take a quick step back? And this is something that's been on my list uh, to to talk about with someone at some point, because it, it seems to be, again, as as much as like I'm a caveman and I can try to understand the, the bare minimum of it. But um, could you talk to me, us, for a moment about inflammation? When you say that so much comes down to this, could you actually just paint that picture? What do we, What do we know about inflammation? I know it's a body's natural response, but does it go overboard? Um, you know, are there other things that that drive it? And and what do we know about, again, besides some of the things you've just indicated in the last minute here, um, you know, what, what does it do? Why is that such a thing for us to understand?
1: Yeah, so um, when there's inflammation in the body, um, there's components in the blood that, you know, inflammatory components that do their thing throughout the body. And it kind of can kind of skew your immune system to be uh, more in an inflammatory state. Um, And it can skew it to be also more in an allergic or uh, type phenotype, um, Mm -hmm. is what we call it. And so, you know, none of those things are good. You want to have an immune system that has plenty of the good, healthy kind of peacekeeping cells
0: in your mm-hmm. body,
1: um, kind of keeping keeping track of and keeping a hold of these inflammatory components. Um, and one thing we know is like from air pollution studies, when someone's exposed to air pollution, they produce fewer of these T regulatory cells, which are the good immune cells that kind of okay. keep peace throughout your immune system. So with fewer of those, your immune system kind of goes awry um, and it's just kind of dysfunctional. Kind of slanting it more towards uh, an immune system that's reacting in an allergic type manner, you know, Mm. um, more than it should.
0: Okay, that's super helpful. Thank you. Um, I mean, to some people, inflammation is like, take some Advil, but that's obviously not what we're (laughs) dealing with
1: here. Well, it does Uh, decrease inflammation, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. But clearly we're on another level here. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk just for a moment about the I stole a word from another sort of futurist generalist who who primarily works on climate stuff because it, it is a great word for what we're starting to go through, what a lot of folks uh, have already been going through, but really what's going to happen over the next 10, 20, 50 years here. And he uses this word that we're in a discontinuity. And it's that there's just so many... Systems, systems that we've either uh, purposefully designed or inadvertently compounded over time, and how these things will intersect. From again, what happens when a respiratory novel virus shows up and it attacks a bunch of people with pre-existing uh, respiratory conditions and such. Um, but that also, we are also looking at things like uh, how we how we measure things. And and I saw somewhere, and again, please correct me wherever I'm wrong here. Uh, this analogy that. Uh, exposure to air quality above an AQI of 150 for a certain amount of time—I can't remember—is equivalent of smoking seven cigarettes. Is, uh, is that cor- is that correct? Or yeah. I mean, it, again, I just try to help paint a picture for people so they go, "Oh,
1: got, yeah. got it." Yeah. In Australia, they call it the Siggy Index. So they'll say today the air quality is four Siggies, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> what it is, um, someone came up with a mathematical formula to equate. How much exposure it is smoking one cigarette versus the air quality so okay. i believe it's one cigarette is equivalent to 22 microns per cubic meter of pm 2.5 so okay. if outside it's 90 microns uh per cubic meter of pm 2.5 that's like smoking going out and smoking four cigarettes
0: Okay. But over how much of time? Are we talking like walking to my car? Are we talking running (laughs) around outside? I I I, think uh, it is
1: calculated per day. I mean, okay. Okay. But that's helpful. Yeah.
0: Just a range, you know, so people are like over a month or you've got 12 seconds to get to your car.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's like going outside and hanging out for a while and you're breathing that in. It's like, you know, smoking four cigarettes. Okay. Yeah.
0: You've smoked four cigarettes today. As yeah. usual, America, we're using an arbitrary number instead of a, uh, something that's profoundly more helpful uh, and illustrative <laughs> of the but actual Well, it,
1: it does help you visualize, sure. you know, what you're, what you're doing sure. with your lungs. Um, cause, no, cause absolutely. Because people understand cigarette smoke a lot better.
0: I mean, finally. And yet, you know, you walk around these colleges and you see these kids smoking and you're like, what are
1: you doing? <laughs> like, We know so much.
0: Like Yeah, you, yeah we could talk run around about a- that
1: or we could talk about the damage that e-cigarettes does. We could, yeah.
0: Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 that stuff is just like, I mean, these, they're just monsters. They're just absolute monsters, these people. So- I, I'm curious, though, again about those measurements. Whether we're talking the sorry the Siggy scale was it or the uh, how do they frame it? The yeah the Siggy uh, index the CIGI scale. right the Siggy index versus uh you know analogized to our to our AQI uh, the things you see on Purple Air and and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff that we're able to all see now now that we're understanding more. Again, it's not every fire that has lead and all these toxic metals, but many more of them have. And if it's near roads, it's asphalt and things like that. How much were those scales and those those ratings rated for old pollution versus some of these newer things? Like, do those change? Is it 150 plus when it's got some of these more toxic metals? I'm curious. Do we adjust that?
1: You mean, so you're asking uh, how accurate is the AQI scale?
0: Yeah, I guess for, the, for this new era where basically just like a greater variety of man-made shit is burning. Right. Essentially. Right.
1: Right. Well, I mean, some people would argue that maybe the the AQI scale should be more um, conservative. Um, and I also think that it really depends on the individual. Like if you're experiencing symptoms, it doesn't matter what the AQI is. Get inside, you know. Um, sure,
0: Yeah. You know, sure. Breathe
1: clean air. But I do think, especially the past few years with uh, the campfire and everything that's been happening and that the climate change issues, we're still learning. Uh, how toxic the smoke can be and how Uh variable uh the toxicity could potentially be um depending on what's being burned um and it's just uh, you know the wildfire um health research area uh has a lot to learn as as we realize that the wildfires aren't going away and they're only going to get worse
0: Hey everyone, it's Quinn, your host and the founder of Important Not Important. I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about the INI or INI, whatever we're calling it these days, membership and community. It's a gathering place, really, for our most dedicated shit givers, a place to connect and learn from one another and to have access to me outside of the newsletter and this podcast. We started it last year and it's grown to hundreds of shit givers from all kinds from around the globe. I'm talking about teachers and investors, students, electricians, journalists, artists, scientists, and policymakers, and and more. Members get exclusive access to our daily news homepage, which is very cool, and to much more top-of-mind weekly articles research and tools that you can use and to stay ahead of the game member sourced action steps twice monthly book and culture recommendations that have nothing to do with the end of the world virtual events and of course the membership slack channel look so many people come to us asking what can i do and we think we do a pretty good job of answering that question and providing context for the answer but the best answers and the best perspective really come from the community, a wide-ranging community, and we would love for you to be a part of it, to feel supported yourself, and to contribute to discussions and actions alike. And of course, by becoming a member, you're directly supporting our work here and ensuring that we get to keep doing it. So if you'd like to learn more, head to importantnotimportant.com, and if you're already a reader, you can just hit the upgrade button at the top. If you're not, Go ahead and subscribe for free, and you'll see the option to become a member at whatever level works best for you. And as always, you can always find the link to become a member right in your show notes. So thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for giving a shit. Back to the show. Sure, sure. That's helpful. That's a that's a. I mean, I I always appreciate that level of self awareness, which is like we're f- we're we're figuring out when you when you are like <laughs> these things aren't around here. But um, but that's helpful that there's already sort of you know this thought of like we're look we need to assess what's what's really in this thing, and we're trying to as it goes along. But obviously that requires more fires burning. So again, you're yeah. welcome. We've made a lot of those.
1: I mean, even if you look at the firefighters, they're sure. an understudied population. Yeah. You know, they have uh. A lot of health problems by the time they retire, they have a shorter life expectancy, presumably from the smoke that they're breathing, you know, sure. and they have an increased rates of certain types of cancers. And there's a lot mechanistically that we don't really understand. And we don't understand at what point is it critical that they stop being exposed to the smoke so that they don't have these outcomes later in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it makes me get angry. Oh! over again about the all the hearings and the unjust way the uh, 9-11 responders were responders were handled after and all the sicknesses that they dealt with yeah. and i just remember them you know arguing in front of congress and john stewart arguing in front of congress and holding these people to task on show going look at these people it's 10 years later they worked for three days or three months or whatever it is like look at, at what's done like how can you not support these people or at the very least like study it and go like of course we shouldn't be breathing in a a, a building that fell down, you know? Like the, we're bags of pink flesh, like our bodies are amazing, but they're clearly not made to process this
1: stuff. Right. 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 And like the thing with uh, for example heavy metals is your body accumulates it. And things like PAH's, the polyaromatic hydrocarbons, it likes to go to it's attracted to fat. So it wants to go settle in your fat stores. I mean,
0: and- what is PAH? Sorry,
1: it's polyaromatic hydrocarbons. There's different types, but you know, okay. um, some of them have been associated with cancer. You know, yeah. so uh, it's not like once you're out of the smoke, you know, your body completely recovers, um, depending sure. on what you're being exposed to. Sure. So,
0: good news, bad news for everybody. We just had this whole pandemic, which. Is actually still going on. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Super fun. It's back. Look, uh, we always build towards these action steps, right? When we try to get really specific, not just like call your congressperson, but it's usually call this specific congressperson about this and read this script and push this button. We know the best ways to reduce exposure to wildfires and and smoke are decarbonizing and electrifying everything we can find and burying all PG and E's power lines wherever we can. And (laughs) right. And listening to indigenous people who are like, we've been telling you like we had this under control for a long time. Obviously those are haven't happened for a reason. They're incredibly expensive. The clock is ticking in a different way now, but they're going to take a while, but to, to protect one's own health, my mind goes to masks. Everyone's got these wonderful cloth masks that we've gotten, uh, and some of them have filters. They've cut them from vacuum cleaners, or now there's whole industries they're making them. Could you just do me a favor and disappoint me very quickly and tell me how those don't work before we get to what does work?
1: <laughs> uh, so cloth masks, surgical masks, they give you a very—they give you a small amount of protection, not nearly what you need for wildfire smoke.
0: Okay. So great. Everyone can, can keep those, keep those for COVID. You, you, you'll need something else. So what, what does work? Um, let's talk about out and about, um, or even if it has to come in your house or your school, uh, what can we wear on our person? And then we can get into, I guess, residential and commercial type equipment.
1: Yeah. As far as what to wear, it needs to be an N95 mask. Um, because that will filter the small particles. The thing you need to be aware of, though, an N95 mask does not filter gases, and so part of wildfire smoke has it has gases, so that's still an issue. That's why it's always better if you can just stay out and away from the smoke. It's better to do so. The other problem with the N95 masks is you'd have to have a perfect seal, right? Which is um, right. not possible to do, especially long term. Um, you know, for kids, it's super hard. If you have facial hair, you don't get the right seal. And so uh, the masks are, are great, but they're not really the all you know end all and be all. It's better to be away from the smoke. It's better to sure. be inside, assuming your air quality is good inside, um, and to just not mess with it if possible.
0: I think it reminds me of 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 um, again all of these incredible frontline medical workers who look if
1: you're
0: we've all seen the incredible diagrams online and the modeling of if you're at this part of the restaurant and this person's got COVID and they cough this <laughs> way like you'll get this but wear your mask and it's as tight and it's the same but we you know these when we we've lost so many nurses and doctors and support staff because they're inherently in an environment where they're just surrounded right. by people who are infected and breathing and that stuff and I imagine that's the equivalent of this smoke there it's not this single direction puff coming at you it's that If you don't have this tight seal, it's getting in. And like you said, and gases.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better to have have it than not have it, but it's not a perfect solution by any means.
0: Do we know anything about, again, let's assume, let's use that 150 number um, or whatever you would prefer because I'm a moron. How long is an N95 mask going to cut it if we're outside uh, doing you know, walking or or at at a at a kid's game or or whatever it might be, or if we're working at someone who has to work outside.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the mask. I know a lot of them will come with uh, you know, some type of informational sheet that says it's intended for temporary, not permanent use, you know, it's disposable sure. or how many it'll give you how many hours. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: So follow the directions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So weird. Um, okay, so that's helpful. So N95s, follow the directions. They are temporary. You know, look at your AQI and, and understand, but best case scenario, obviously, uh, stay away from it if you're able to do so. Um, let's assume we can get inside somewhere. Let's assume it's either our apartment or our home or a business that we have some sort of say in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all, again, learned so much this year about hepa filters and filtration and things like that. Right. Um where schools they have I mean and this is the thing, right? Um so many schools have spent so much money over the past 6 months uh putting in windows and bringing in fresh air. <laughs> Fun fact. That's not great when there's wildfire smoke outside. <laughs> so now we're talking about filtration, I imagine. Right. What uh what what is going to cut it? What what is helpful, what is not? Any ideas?
1: Yeah, um well, I'd say, number one, when you're talking about indoor air, uh, know what your air quality is. Okay. I mean, to my knowledge, there's no standard method to measure indoor air quality in our schools or businesses. So you kind of got to start with what that number is because, it, you know, there's a lot of factors um, uh, of the building, you know, how drafty it is and Sure. You know, how good their HVAC system is, if they have an HVAC system, all those types of things will impact how well uh, if you have a like a a MERV, MERV 13 is is, you know, considered really good. But if your building has the right amount of filtration, when you're talking about your home, you have to make sure, you know, that whatever level of filtration you put in your unit, that your home can actually handle that type of airflow. Because mm-hmm. the tighter the filter, the harder it is to pull the air through. And so it's not it's not super simple to know what is what is most appropriate um, for sure. your home. Sure. And, and then air purifiers obviously are a good thing, but those are based on um, square footage. And they all right. have different um, clean air delivery rates. And so probably the best thing is kind of be prepared.
0: Uh, sure.
1: So you're not scrambling when the sure. smoke hits. Sure.
0: And from what I understand, again, uh, caveman, um, just from the (laughs) alerts that pop up on my phone to replace my filters every however many weeks that my wonderful AC guy yells at me uh, in a non-COVID year, um, those seem to be, and again, I know this isn't actually your profession, but they seem to be a a closed system where you've got the intake and and that's coming from one room and it's supposed to, so it's not necessarily pulling in air from the outside. And again, my worry was just, I know that a lot of these schools, for example, have taken what in any other case would be the easy way out which is just like do our windows open you know because that makes such a difference for this aerosol for covid right um again we're just in this horribly unique moment i'm just thinking of again we're just getting started it's we're recording on july 29th it'll come out in a day or two but everyone's going back to school in the next right. 5 6 weeks and southern california hasn't even gotten started with their fires yet right so I, again we've got you know educators and all kinds of folks that listen i'm just trying to help them think through this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a debate whether or not, you know, when the wildfires were here last fall, some schools closed, some didn't, you know, is your air quality at home better than your air quality at school? Who knows if you're not measuring it and to make that decision of, uh, you know, what to do with the schools. Um, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my, my kids to, to date have, have been part of the LA USD public school system. And, and there's look, my mom is a teacher. I I'm, I'm the world's biggest supporter to teachers. They should make millions of dollars, but um, you know, it's, I'm also I have a hard time criticizing like a school system of 700,000 kids. It's like, do you, I want to be in charge of that? Oh my God. Like no, 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 <laughs> no thank hard, you. No, thank you. There's there's no win where 80% of the kids are on free lunch and free breakfast and they don't have internet. And, and what do we do? Oh. You know, they, in so many ways have done an admirable job, but you're looking and someone's going, okay, so you need to open the windows because we've got a pandemic, but also don't open the windows because there's wildfire smoke, but also we're not measuring it inside. So <laughs> it's just like, I, and again, I'm not trying to be a doomer here. I'm just trying to paint a reality of this moment of helping people th- continually take a step back and think about all of the factors involved with what we're dealing with right now
1: right and if you don't have air conditioning you know it can get really hot and you've got the smoke do you open up your windows and get a little breeze going through and smell the smoke or do you roast inside your house especially older Um, people it's a huge issue
0: so i know a lot of folks have bought these uh uh, and i i I got one the purple air monitors and from from what i can tell they're 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 pretty good for, yeah. for consumer side. I don't I do want need you to, you know, promote any specific business or product. Um, but uh, do those also work inside that sort of thing at least? Is that when you say we're not measuring the air, is that the kind of thing yeah, we should be looking can, for? You something can different?
1: Purchase purple air monitors for indoor or outdoor. Oh,
0: okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, and and this some of the purifiers to... come with their own little um air pollution monitor on it. So you get an idea okay. of quality.
0: Okay, that's super helpful. Yeah. By the way, entirely other conversation. I just remembered is is gas stoves, which turns out like <laughs> real bad,
1: real, real
0: bad. Uh, and then I remembered like my ventilation hasn't worked on mine in 20 years. I'm like, I, I just can't even think about that right now. Um, uh, doctor, I do want to get you out of here in in just a minute. Here, I'm going to ask you a couple questions that we ask everybody. But last thing, any other. <sighs> like, f- facts on the ground, anything sort of practically operationally that you would like folks to be aware of that we haven't covered? Because again, I'm trying to treat this as a, you know, all of these as sort of a public service type thing. But, yeah. but this particular conversation, like this is happening, like, uh, you know, again, and I know this isn't your specific job, but like, what can we be doing uh, better while we acknowledge that There's certain elements of this that are just out of our control for a lot of folks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if you do have something like asthma, get your um, inhalers filled and ready to go. Um, Okay. uh, Also, I would say, um, you know, if if there's a wildfire um, and you're experiencing a lot of smoke, your community, check on your neighbors, especially the older ones. Um, Because, you know, maybe they could hang out at your house for a while and have some clean air um sure uh so i i would think anything you can do to uh you know the homeless people they're they're out in it um you know that's that's a whole other subject so i would say just have uh concern and compassion for uh, other people that may not be as fortunate um as you um being able to get away from the smoke
0: sure um, and again, I, I, I know this isn't your specific thing, and I don't want to give out specific medical advice necessarily. But people with uh, more pulmonary conditions, uh, cardio stuff—is it? Do we do we get the uh, home paddles, or or how? What else can they do to be aware besides like get to the ER if you have to?
1: Yeah, I mean, Anything I would else? say, yeah, I mean, if you if you have a condition you're concerned about, um, reach out to your to your doctor, and mm-hmm. maybe do it now. Um, yeah. you know, because, uh, it's probably coming if it hasn't already hit, um, at least if sure. you're out here in the West. And um, if you're doctors
0: sorry. again, that, sorry, um, you know, so many folks again on the East coast to come back or are, are dealing with this for the first time. If you're a doctor who hasn't really ever like spent a lot of time looking at this, cause it's never been part of where you are. Are there specific resources where they can get a little up to speed on what's going on?
1: Um, yeah, there, there are organizations. Um, there's uh, uh, physician organizations that, um, um, you know, are focused on climate change. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's some pushes to um, do med- medical education, you know, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. The, the, uh, some good resources would be, you know, the EPA has a website. If you're in okay. California, uh, even if you're not in California, the Cal- California Air Resources Board. A good one is the American Lung Association. You know, mm-hmm. they put out a report every year and list every city and how they do on air quality. Um, okay. But they also have resources for wildfires. So uh, I would start with with some of those. There's, um, there's actually, if you Google it, a lot of um, worthy resources where you can find out more how to protect yourself from smoke or okay. things to be... To
0: be aware of okay we'll throw all that stuff in, in the show notes for everybody as well yeah um that's all just profoundly helpful i really appreciate it i think there are a lot of folks again maybe this is their first time and they're very at the at the, at the least disoriented by by what they see and what they feel and what they smell but i think there's a lot of other folks that are obviously again after this year Look, even if you got a light case of COVID, a lot of people now have some sort of long COVID or pre-existing condition of, of some sort. And and this is just another added thing that makes you go like, well, what can I, what am I supposed to do?
1: So, yeah. So the research shows that there's an association between COVID rates and air pollution levels. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the right track.
0: Uh, good times. That's So uh, it's it's always great when the conversation goes exactly like I'm expecting it to uh, my wife this morning was like I was like hey maybe she'll just be like it's not that bad she's like I don't think that's the way it's gonna go (laughs) Um, um, so all right I have uh, a couple last questions for you and again I know this was all very quick so thank you for doing this Um, but you are doing some incredibly meaningful work and obviously it's going to affect and help so many people over a long period of time here as we fix our macro issues um so uh, doctor when was the first time in your life when you realized as either yourself or part of your group uh when you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful
1: well, it was the first time in my life that i realized i wanted to Is that was the question was? sure wanted to
0: or that you had the power to do so or you looked around and said oh shit i did that or we did this or i'm part of this cool thing
1: well it's not related to wildfire research
0: it doesn't uh, have to be okay
1: So I uh, took time off from my career. My children have severe food allergies. And I decided when I was going to go back, I was going to, you know, study something I was super passionate about, you know, and hopefully help change, you know, um, make it better. Um, And so that's how I got started um, at the immunology lab, looking at uh, allergy, asthma, and ended up being, you know, environmental pollutants. But that was uh, that was a turning point for me, just seeing
0: what my own children went through. Sure. So you saying you studied one entire thing, <laughs> had a bunch of kids, and then you decided it wasn't enough and to do even more. So that's great. I'm like a guy with a podcast in a half finished room here. Well, that's wonderful. Um. Uh. And that's that's pretty awesome. It's uh. It's, man. It's my, my children are are very young and reckless, but it it is easy to be inspired by them. Um, yeah. On a pretty daily basis. Um, Doctor, who is someone in your life that's positively impacted your work in the past six months?
1: Well, I would have to actually say my boss, uh, my mentor. Good answer. (laughs) Uh, She actually just went to um, uh, spend time at the World Health Organization in Geneva, trying Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, make progress on climate change and the impact on our health on a global level. So okay. I, I think there's probably nothing more awesome than um, yeah. trying to uh, literally help the world. So, yeah, yeah she's very so like, inspiring.
0: Wow. So, again, like you, it's just small potatoes aiming low, et cetera, et cetera. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, last one. And, again, we've got medical students. We've got young doctors, old doctors, researchers, all the above, so nurses, support folks. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. What is your self-care? How are you managing to impact so much research, have children, raise children, live a life, and also not go cuckoo? Uh-huh.
1: It's actually running. Okay. I- I'm trying to run every morning, and, and now I've <laughs> I foolishly said I'm going to try to do a 10K in three weeks. Okay. <laughs> I'm nervous, but um... first one, <laughs> first ten k, yeah.
0: Oh, you're gonna kill it! It's gonna yeah, be great. I don't
1: Think so, but uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I believe in you. Be I humbling. think you're gonna do awesome. Yeah, I think you're but gonna be awesome. If I run,
1: I can handle everything better. Handle the stress better.
0: It is, it is wild how much exercise helps my anxiety. Oh my god. Yeah. It's uh the the days I don't do it and the days I do are very different days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think my kids want me to run at this
0: point. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. My wife didn't have a lot of background in in exercise. And so when we first got together, she was just like, why is this uh, idiot have to go to the gym or do this thing every day? And now it's the point where she's like, it would be great if you left and went for a run because this is not so fun for everybody. (laughs) Great. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, Last one, Doc. Uh, What is a book you've read uh, this year that's opened your mind? To a topic you hadn't considered before, or it's actually maybe changed your thinking in some way. And we've got a whole list of recommendations up on Bookshop.
1: Oh man!
0: Anything doesn't have to be related to your career. Could be anything. Could be your your running book, whatever it might be.
1: Well, you, then I'd have to think of the title of it. I believe it was a book called Night. My children are actually reading. I think it's called Night. My children were reading it for school, and it's about the Holocaust.
0: Eli, oh uh, uh, god, I'm gonna butcher it. Wiesel, I think.
1: Uh, and the small uh, one. It's very small, but yeah. I actually I couldn't finish it. It was it was so upsetting. Um, <sighs> yeah, I I'm not. I'm only partway through. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure when I'll pick it up again. It is just uh, really impactful.
0: Absolutely. That's that's. I was a. Uh, I'm I'm a monster like pagan atheist, but I was a religious studies major, so I I I did all of those, uh, and yeah, they're both necessary and also just um, just in, incredibly difficult to to get through yeah. the process. But yeah, um, yeah perspective, doctor. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. I I I truly uh, am am grateful to you for your time and your expertise and uh, putting up with me. Uh, that's always <laughs> the big. That's always the biggest one. Um, this is something that's affecting people today, tomorrow, yesterday, uh, and a lot of people for the first time. And it's new to a lot of folks, and the uh, the consequences involved are definitely new to a lot of folks. Um, you know, I think especially if you've been in California for a long time or a short time, you go like, oh, well, this is the thing that happens, but. Um, it's something that's happening to you and, and it's important to really understand as far as we know what that what that means. Because yeah, we've, yeah. we've no, been through it. Thank enough. you
1: for having me. And I hope I, I, I hope I helped shed some light on the topic. But um I appreciate oh my your, God. your interest in it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um well I look forward to following up with you in a year when it's all fixed and, and you can just <laughs> run run all the time and you're good to go. <laughs> okay. Um thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute, or awesome workout, or dishwashing, or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news, most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Uh, just so weird.